Welcome to episode 55 of No Rares Required. Is it pirates? Every week I do an in-depth guide to a specific archetype, and this week is a double episode. The top two early frontrunners are Azorius Flyers and Is It Pirates. This is a draft skeleton limited to 15 commons, 7 uncommons, and 1 rare. And since some of you might be listening on audio only, I'll walk through each card as well as some of the alternative strategies. My overall takeaway is focus on tempo. You still have decent flyers in blue, but compared to white, red trades flyers for more aggression, better removal, and combat tricks, but at the price of a uh, worse mid-game, so you'll want to close out the game quick. Like Azorius, don't be afraid of one-drops, they have performed quite well. I do recommend going below 17 lands for this archetype, since you don't have a mid-range strategy to fall back on. I've gone to 15 lands uh, several times, and I even faced an opponent who was on 13 or 14 lands. Also, I think blue is the slightly stronger option. For example, if we look at the 3-cost commons, blue has a 2-2 flyer that creates a map token, while red has a 3-2 that creates a treasure. Both are good cards, but I think blue is slightly better. So I tend to uh, end up in blue as the majority color. Remember to hit like and subscribe for daily Magic the Gathering content, and let's get started. My top performing blue common is Waterwind Scout. You get a 2-2 flyer for 2 and a blue with flying that enters the battlefield and creates a map token. So you may not have as many artifact synergies, but some of the pirates care about artifacts as well. And uh, similar to blue-white, I do think that you rectangles matter. So being able to play the two cards in one has been useful. You can use the map token in several ways, or just use it to explore and make this into a 3-3 flyer. Similarly to blue-white, Cogwork Wrestler has been very impressive uh, as a combat trick that leaves a rectangle behind as a 1-2 and it single-handedly destroys three ones that are attacking into you. So, you know, a flash 1-2 flyer that gives target cre creature and opponent controls minus two until end of turn is very similar to, like, Deceive the Messenger from Lord of the Rings, and um, has been quite... Has, has worked quite well. I've also really enjoyed Atali's Favor, and this was a card that I was down on at the beginning in pre-release, and since playing the set, uh, it's amazing. <laughs> Being able to give up a creature plus one plus one and trample, and uh, when it enters the battlefield, discover three. So as long as this, you, you kind of have to high roll on this, right? Like if you hit a three drop with this, then it's just extra, ex extra good. If you hit a two drop, it's still okay. If you hit a one drop, it's less good. And then if you hit like a spell, it's still a draw, still giving you additional, like replacing itself. So I've been impressed with this. And uh, it works very well in this archetype, too, because of you don't have as many flyers, so you are trying to push through your opponent's defenses on the ground. And being able to turn one of your 2-2s two into a 3-3 three three and give it trample just increases that pressure while also helping you go wide. Goblin Tomb Raider is one of the... Uh, if we compare, like, Guidewing, the 1-1 one one Flying Vigilance, Red gets a 1-2 that as long as you control an artifact... You get a uh, you get plus one plus zero and has haste, so you get a two two haste for one red. It's a pirate, as long as you have an artifact, and so you won't be able to do this on turn one. But even later, being able to play a two two has been really good pressure, and I highly recommend picking up the Goblin Tomb Raiders. And then we've got Unlucky Drop, and I mentioned this one in Azorius, and in blue red you are tempo. 
there's no there's no ifs and or buts about it right like you, you have you have no mid-range strategy you have no good fours and fives to fall back on so um i've really liked unlucky drop and i think that is it is going to be its best archetype because of being able to remove something from your opponent's board for two turns while also slowing down their being able to draw into additional threats if they decide to put it on the top of their library uh, we've seen this card before and um you know, like misleading boats and wilds of Eldraine, and it it just it works better in a tempo deck, right? And like blue white was the tempo deck in uh, wilds of Eldraine, and it just was terrible, right? The whole tap strategy didn't work. But this one, I think tempo works very well, and that's exactly what Is It Pirates is trying to do. And um, I think you you know I I would run like two in um, uh, in my Is It Pirate deck, and is typically the like kind of the top end of my deck. <laughs> Uh, we got Oaken Siren, which uh, similar to Azorius Flyers is is good in pirates as well. It is a pirate. You get a one-two Flying Vigilance for one and a blue that can tap uh, to add blue mana for artifact spells, and you won't you don't have as many craft options in um, in the pirates deck, but because it is a pirate, it has good synergies, and there are a couple. It's like one or two that I that I do kind of aim to synergize with this. I think Oaken Siren works really well with the inverted iceberg because you can help, you know, ramp into a six six. And um, if your tempo strategy does fall short, you do need maybe you know not as much as many outs as you would have in Azorius in white blue, but you still want to have some right. Um, and then Brackish Blunder, I've been very impressed with in tempo strategies. So if you're if you're trying to race your opponent. Uh, being able to remove their blocker for a turn helps you get in damage. And then if it's a race and you're attacking and then they're attacking, being able to bounce their attacker and get a map token is particularly powerful in this tempo strategy. And then Inverted Iceberg, like I mentioned, it works really well with the Oaken Siren. Uh, you do have some artifact synergies, uh, specifically the Signpost com Uncommon that we'll cover here shortly, uh, triggers whenever an artifact nears the battlefield. So being able to cycle a uh, artifact is pretty good. Now it is tempo, so you don't want a whole bunch of these because you would much rather be playing a threat on turn two. But it gives you something to do later. It's card neutral, and then you you can craft it into Iceberg Titan, which is a six six that when it attacks, you may tap or untap target artifact or creature. Uh, it has been a, a decent mid range threat if it goes that late. And once again, you're hoping that it does not. I've also been really impressed with Ancestor's Aid. It gives a target creature plus two plus zero and gains first strike until end of turn, and it creates a treasure token. So uh, if you do happen to have the captain, it can give a creature a plus one plus one, it can give a pirate a plus one plus one counter because it creates a treasure token, and then you get a plus two plus zero in first strike. So you can give something plus three plus one in first strike and create a treasure token for two in this archetype specifically, and it's just really good synergies. And you, you need cheap ways to deal with your opponent's threats, right? You, is being able to attack with your 2-2 and then trade this into something that has four... Not even trade. You use this one-for-one, one, Ancestor's Aid, for whatever creature they're blocking with. And getting a treasure token has been a decent combat trick, and I've liked it in the Is It Tempo strategy. And then similarly, Wailing, Wailing Pirates is another one that typically it's either misleading... Uh, not misleading boats... Um, Unlucky Drop or Waylaying Pirates that make up my top end of the deck, right? And I, I try to keep myself to four or less four drops, 
um, because I think that you really want to push as much tempo as you possibly can. And this one is is nice because it removes an opponent's blocker and it also develops the board, giving you a 3-3 threat. Um, it enters the battlefield and taps a artifact. Um, if you control an artifact, you tap a artifact or creature an opponent controls and put a stun counter on it. So it doesn't only remove it for one turn, it removes it for two. Um, and then the flip side of it is, is like red has some options that are, are are pretty decent. I prefer the blue, but if the blue is going to become heavily contested because a lot of those blue cards are also desirable in Azorius Flyers. So we'll see as the set continues um, just to how hard we're going to have to fight for blue. But um, if, you, if you are struggling to find the blue, red does have some decent options. And a braid is excellent because not only is it... Um, you know, instant speed removal deals three damage to target creature. It also is a disenchant, right? It, or it, well, at least artifact side. It can destroy target artifact. And in a set where especially Zorius is going and creating six six mid range threats, being able to respond to your six and seven cost craft cards with two just really helps outvalue your opponent, as well as fitting into the tempo strategy of just removing a problematic blocker early on. I've also really enjoyed the Plundering Pirate. Um, I do think that its counterpart, the Waterwind Scout in blue, is just better. But if you, uh, you know, why not have both, right? Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you create a treasure token for two and a red. You get a three-two. There's a pretty decent pressure. And, um, it, 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 you know, the fact that it creates the treasure token allows you to have the artifact synergies as well. And then Volatile Wanderglyph I've really liked. It's a, it's a decent grizzly bear. It's a 2-2 for one and a red. And whenever it becomes tapped, you may discard a card if you do draw a card. And I really like Rummage and Loot in tempo strategies, especially when you don't have to take time off to do them. So being able to smooth your draws, make sure that you hit land three and four, and then as soon as you hit land five, being able to discard it to find additional gas works particularly well in tempo. And you also have some synergies uh, with Sunshot Militia. So Sunshot Militia is a 1-3 for 1 and a red, which is not um, your typical stat block that you're looking for in tempo. But you're able to tap two untapped artifacts and or creatures to deal one damage to each opponent. You do have to do it as a sorcery speed. You can't do it at the end of the opponent's turn, which is good because it would be absolutely busted if you could. But you have lots of treasure tokens and map tokens that your pirates are good at creating. And I've found this card to be a significant source of damage, especially as we like turn four and onward when your, your, your pressure starts to get gummed up. You can drop this and then immediately start hitting your opponent for that last bit of damage. And... Uh, this is this is a game winner <laughs> and it works pretty well to just like slow your opponent down too if you are in more of a mid-range threat uh, mid-range strategy but i think that's more reserved for boros and we'll save that for a different week um sunfire torch i've been impressed with and you can kind of see like the more that you're in you should be either in the blue strategy or in the red set, uh, strategy and then the red strategy starts to synergize with itself so sunfire torch is something that you can tap with the militia uh, as well as giving an, a creature a plus one plus zero, so it's really good on a flyer. And then you, whenever you attack, you can sacrifice it for the creature to deal two damage to any target, including your opponent's face. So it's kind of like a two-cost shock. But it has tap synergies with the, uh, the, the, the militia. And then last, my last common is the Dino Automaton, and 
if you are pressuring your opponent, Menace is a really great way to do that. And it's a little bit matchup dependent because if your opponent is going wide with totes and things like that, then Menace doesn't work particularly well. But it can work well in the flying game. Usually your opponent doesn't have multiple flyers that can block your stuff. It can happen, um, but I found the Menace to be pretty good at pushing the last little bit through the air. And then it itself being a 4-3 is a fine top end. But once again, I try to limit the amount of 4 drops that I have so Dino Tomaton doesn't usually make the cut. And now for the uncommons, and we've got another... This, uh, Zoetic Glyph is 100% a mythic level uncommon. It is a totally justifiable pack one, pick one. Um, I'm really... Look, I'm not looking forward to when these disappear, right? For the time being, I've been able to catch them when I'm in blue, and uh, I, I imagine that's going to disappear, because like I mentioned yesterday, it is absolutely disgusting to create a 5-4 for 3 that then replaces itself when it dies and discovers for 3. I think they meant to do Discover 2, because <laughs> like it's a 3-cost card that when it dies, it discovers 3, right? I, mean, it's, I don't know, it's, just, it's too good, it's too good. And then being able to pair this with Oak and Siren, uh, and attack with a 5-4 Flying Vigilance that they can tap at end of turn to play additional artifact stuff, is just, it's just, it's got too much power, man. It's got too much power. And then, um, similar to Blue-White, Spyglass Siren is amazing. You can start that pressure as soon as turn 1, and it's two rectangles in one, because it's a 1-1 flyer that creates a map token. And you decide what you want to do with that map token, if it's animating it with the Zoetic Glyph, or if it's just popping it to make a, make a, a flyer better to get through your opponent's defenses, uh, smooth your draws, help you find your lands. The versatility of the map tokens have been very impressive. Uh, Staunch Crewmate, similar to Blue-White, is fantastic in Blue-Red, because um, you may not have as many artifact synergies, but you do have pirates. And so as long as your total count of artifacts and pirates is at least 9 or so, then this is like a 2-1 for 2 that draws a card. And uh, those have always been top performing, and Staunch Crewmate is no exception. Uh, Lodestone Needle is pretty good as well. It removes an opponent's blocker for uh, several turns because it taps and puts two stun counters on it. And then later it can craft into the uh, compass. I forgot to put the other half on this one. Um, but this it taps for one colorless and taps and you can explore every single turn. And um, I've found flipping it to be less useful. In blue-white, I really like flipping it because it fits into that kind of mid-range. But Lodestone Needle is kind of like the backup plan, like Iceberg, um, the inverted Iceberg, where you at least have the option if you weren't able to get through on your tempo. And uh, it's good. It's just good for removing your opponent's stuff. We've got Geological Appraiser, which is two cards in one. You get a 3-2 for two double pip red. When it enters the battlefield, if you cast it, discover three. And the more that this is likely to hit a three drop in your deck, the better and specifically creatures, right? If this is two threats and one, it can be absolutely amazing. I've had, you know, like if you hit the uh, Scythe Claw Raptor, the 4-3, four, 4-3, three, four, three, you basically, you get a 7-5 worth of stats for four mana across two bodies, <laughs> right? Like, so there can be an incredible amount of pressure from this card, but it is a little bit uh, inconsistent, right? Uh, and is better the more three drops that you have in your deck but specifically also the more creatures, right? If you find yourself being a little shy on creatures around like 13 or 14, um, hitting it into a, into, a, into a spell is still decent though, right? You, you get a 3-2 for 4 that draws a card, um, but you, you really want to be able to keep that pressure going. So try to maximize its potential. And then the other thing too is that the double pip in red can be awkward if your majority color is blue. 
Um, since a four cost double pip wants like 11 sources of red to reliably cast it on turn four. But with treasure tokens and things like that, you can, you can kind of cheese it even if you are majority blue. And then uh, Captain Storm, Cosmium Raider, I've been very impressed with. And you get a 2-2 that whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on target pirate you control. So the more, the, more pirates that you have, the better that you can kind of spread your plus one plus one threats. But even if you don't, you can just make Captain Storm into a ridiculously huge threat. And the majority of your cards either create an artifact when they enter the battlefield, like the Waterwind Scout or the Plundering Pirate, um, or are just artifacts themselves, and um, so this can just this can go out of control, and it is part of like the early pressure. And I don't, um, I, I do recommend just playing it on turn two, because um, a lot of times you can on turn three trigger it twice, and um, if you can start hitting in with a four four on turn three, is is exactly what the deck wants to be doing. And now for the rares. And so there's less, you, you, you might notice that there are less uncommon options that I'm interested in compared to white blue. But what it lacks in uncommons, it certainly makes up for in rares. Breaches is absolutely disgusting. You get a 3 3 goblin pirate. And I love that the goblins are monkeys <laughs> on this plane. But you get a 3 3 first strike for two and a red that whenever, whenever a pirate you control attacks, Choose one that hasn't been chosen this turn. Create a treasure token. Target creature can't block this turn. Exile the top card of your library. You may play it this turn. So if you're attacking with three pirates, you get to do all three. And uh, even just as a 3-3 that makes it so something can't block or creates a treasure token to make the trigger off of Captain uh, Lannery Storm happen, it's just been very impressive. And uh, if, if <laughs> I think one of, one of the people in my chat said that uh, if you don't deal with britches, you end up in stitches. And I've experienced that firsthand. Magnetic Galleon is a three double pip red forward artifact vehicle, five five artifact vehicle that when it enters the battlefield, it deals five damage to target creature and opponent controls. And then whenever one or more creatures your opponent's control are dealt excess non-combat damage, you create a treasure token. So if you're nuking something that has four toughness, you get to remove something, get a, a vehicle that you can play later, and then also create a treasure token. And uh, this is the like one exception of where, okay, I'll be like, okay, maybe I'm not going to run 15 lands, right? <laughs> if you have a five drop like this, then it's worth like, it's worth getting to, and you can use your staunch crewmates to help you find it. Uh, the only downside is, is that it's crew two, but the majority of your stuff uh, is already two power. So crewing it hasn't really been a problem. And um, this card is uh, single-handedly can win a game. And we've got Kite Sail Larcenist, which I mentioned in blue-white as well. And, um, it, it, it is a pirate, so you get additional synergies in blue-red. You get a 2-3 flying ward 1 for 3, and you can remove your opponent's biggest artifact or creature and create it in, uh, turn it into a treasure token as long as you control Kite Sail Larcenist. Um, and you can do that to your own stuff if you need to uh, ramp into a treasure. Usually you don't need to do that sort of thing. Like in blue-white, you might be more tempted to trade a 1-1 to help you ramp into your late-game crafts. But in this one, usually it's just a 2-3 two, a two, flyer for 3 with ward, and that's usually enough. <laughs> well, well and that also removes your opponent's problematic blocker. And we've got Subterranean Schooner, and um, Subterranean Schooner I mentioned in blue-white, is it's disgusting. You get a 3-4 vehicle for 2 with crew 1, and then whenever it attacks, the creature that crewed it explores. 
So not only is it an early threat that can be attacking as a 3-4 as early as turn 3, but then you're also making your other stuff into bigger and bigger threats. Trumpeting Carnosaur, I've had the joy of playing twice already in my 14-15 drafts that I've done, and uh, it's an absolute bomb. <laughs> you get a 7-6 Trampler that enters the battlefield and discovers for 5, uh, so it can be like if you hit a 1 or a 2-cost spell, which is pretty common in most of my it builds, uh, it can be a little lackluster, but it's still 2 cards in 1, and I think specifically in this archetype, where I'm going to use it more than playing it as a 6-drop because I want to play fewer lands, is just using it as removal. Being able to tap 2 and a red, discarding this card to deal 3 damage to target creature or planeswalker is kind of like a secondary braid that if you do happen to draw later in the game when you've flooded out and hit 6 mana or whatever, um, the versatility on this card is amazing. And then we've got NT, Cynical of the Sun, and um, it's a 2-2 Grizzly Bear for 1 and a red, but whenever you attack, you may discard a card. And when you do, put a plus 1 plus 1 counter on target attacking creature. It gains Trample until end of turn. And then whenever you discard one or more cards, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card until your next instep. And notably, that uh, it triggers itself because uh, if you decide to discard when it attacks. But if you have effects that cause you to loot or rummage, then it works with this. So the, the Wanderglyph, the 2-2 uh, at Grizzly Bear at Common, will, uh, will synergize with this and allow you to play the card that you discard for your rummage. And, um, but it also increases your uh, threats and gives Trample, which uh, helps push damage through. And then we've got Poetic Ingenuity, and I have I can't decide if Red White or um, Blue Red is actually the best for this card. So you get an enchantment, two and a red, whenever one or more dinosaurs you control attack, create that many treasure tokens. And um, that's the less impressive line. The more impressive line is whenever you cast an artifact spell, create a 3-1 red dinosaur creature token. This ability triggers only once each turn. And... Um, that's the one that really matters, because all of your artifact spells becoming 3-1 dinosaur creature tokens. Uh, one thing to keep in mind, though, is that it's not when an artifact enters the battlefield. So if you're relying on your artifact synergies, which I end up doing a, a fair amount in blue-red, um, coming off of ETBs, then this has got less synergy. But you can still have a relatively high artifact count, if you, especially if you try to maximize this after a pack one, pick one. Um, you know, just draft more like inverted icebergs and things like that. Um, or you always got Dire Flail. <laughs> dire Flail is amazing. Um, my very first 0-3, though, of the set was with two of them. <laughs> so I was disappointed with that. I had Larsenist and two Dire Flails. I still can't believe that went 0-3. Um, but you get you get a uh, you get a bone splitter, right? Like you, equipped creature gets plus two plus zero for one red. Its equipment cost is one. So it's just an amazing pressure. Put it on your put it on your flyers, and then if you can craft it into the flip side, which I forgot to include again. Sorry, um, but it, it flips into uh, equipped creature gets plus three plus zero. Um, you'll notably when you do craft, you will have to re-equip it. Uh, but then you can sacrifice an artifact other than uh, the flip side of it, which I'm blanking on the name of. But anyway, it deals um, a bl blunderbuss, right? Something like that. Uh, it You sacrifice an artifact other than it, and then if you do that, the creature deals damage equal to its power to another creature. So all of your treasure tokens, all of your map tokens become removal. Um, and it's just, a, it's, it, it, once you flip it, it, it feels hard to lose. 
And last but not least, we've got one mythic and like, you know, it, it is early on the set. We'll have more data on the mythics coming down the line. Uh, but you get a 5-5 five, five flying first strike for three double tip red bone horde Dracosaur. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top two cards of your library. You may play them this turn. If you exile the land this way, create a 3-1 dinosaur creature token. And if you exiled a non-land creature this way, create a treasure token. So either way, you're creating rectangles each turn at the beginning of your upkeep. You get a decent, I mean, a 5-5 five, five flyer for 5 with first strike is a beast that must be answered. And then it helps you find additional threats. So like if you, if you flip something over that's a non-land, then you get a treasure token to help you play that card. And then if you flip over a land, you get a 3-1 dinosaur. It's just like win-win, right? You can't lose. <laughs> so next week I'll be covering another archetype. Uh, I haven't decided yet. So if you have one that you would like to see, let me know in the comments below. And if you're watching this in preparation for the arena open over the weekend, I wish you all of the luck. As I mentioned yesterday, I think this could be a tricky set for sealed because of the high synergy in the set and poor performance of both green and black. So good luck opening a good pool. If you found this episode helpful, please help support my dream by taking a moment to hit like and subscribe and leaving a comment below. I really appreciate it. And if you want to go above and beyond, you can click join to become a YouTube member or subscribe on my Patreon. You can also come by and say hi during one of my live streams on Twitch. <laughs> Links are all available in the description. Thank you for watching to the end of the video. Good luck with your games and future trophies. Thank you all for the support, and I'll see you next week.